0: Welcome back to Both Sides of the Table. I'm Kimberly Simmons. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this podcast is created to dive into my personal journey with my son who has developmental delays and the ups and downs, the challenges, the achievements, and my experience also as a school psychologist in this process. So first, I want to get into what we're going to discuss today, which is going to be Bryson being evaluated. So, last episode, I talked about the challenges in his initial evaluation and the difficulties that I noticed um, prior to him being diagnosed with developmental delays. Now we're at the point where, okay, they want to evaluate. They want to evaluate or reevaluate Bryson um, to see how they can further support him so just to get into a little bit of bryson bits and this is just a story that i'll share with you um just to give you a little bit of background on why they wanted to reevaluate him so this is around june of 2020 of course we're months into the pandemic And Bryson uh, has his speech therapy is underway. He's in preschool. He's super excited about going to school um, officially and riding the school bus. He has his little backpack. He's super excited and he's super cute. And we're well into um, probably a month, maybe a month and a half, half of school. And, you know, during this time uh, with our school district, if COVID cases start to spike, Students are then pulled out of school and then we go remote. OK, so there was kind of a, um, a lot of back and forth within uh, school with Bryson being in the building and then being pulled out, going fully remote. So once that happened, probably a couple times, we noticed that Bryson had a really difficult time with transitioning. Now, transitioning, I mean transitioning when he arrived to school and transitioning while he was in school transitioning while he arrived at school he would get off the bus and see the students and he would just fall down he would just fall down he just didn't want to he didn't want to belong or um, engage in anything that was going on in the building so he just fell flat and transitioning in the classroom meant he would have difficulty with transitioning for example from story time or circle time to maybe centers or independent work or maybe working with um, an adult. So he was having difficulty in those areas, as well as having a hard time with engaging with his peers. Now, Bryson, by nature, is very social. He wants to engage with, with his peers. But remember. Bryson lacks uh, that language piece. He lacks the ability to uh, formulate the words, uh, to express how he feels and to express what he wants. So what does he do? He uses his body. And so his way of engaging with students would just be to fall in front of them or just to kind of like, you know, gently, not intentionally to hurt, but just kind of nudge them a little with his shoulder. He would nudge them. And so during that time, we were getting a lot of communication with his teacher and and we were sharing ideas, going through strategies, putting interventions in place that would help him and support him being more successful during those transition times and with the engagement with his peers. Some things worked, um, some things didn't. So it was a lot of trial and error during probably another few weeks of um, intervention work and data collection. Uh, We noticed that since these interventions and strategies weren't working, we talked about him having a re-evaluation. Now, students who receive a re-evaluation or teams that want to re-evaluate students want to determine whether or not there are any further supports that that student could benefit from. Uh, They could possibly want to collect additional data. Additional data could be more testing. Um, It could be further evaluation of what are we missing that we could provide the students so that they can be more successful in school. In Bryson's case, he was already receiving speech therapy. And so knowing that he's having difficulty with peer interaction, peer engagement, difficulty with learning how to initiate play, as well as having difficulty with transitioning. There was a sensory piece there. We wanted to involve the social worker and we wanted to involve the occupational therapist. So we had a team and came together and they reevaluated and provided a lot of data through their testing for Bryson. So the results of that testing is that Bryson would need those supports in place to have helped develop his skill sets, his skill set in the area of um, social, social emotional regulation in the area of occupational therapy with uh, cutting, writing, um, zipping, those fine motor skills as well as uh, sensory needs that he may need to help him regulate himself within the classroom. So we decided that those would be best to support Bryson in furthering his um, programming within school. So what does that mean now for Bryson? Bryson was in a classroom of about maybe 18 to 20 students. We discussed Bryson changing his program and going into a smaller classroom where there are less students and there are more adults. So he would get more individualized attention that would help him to uh, build his skill set in those areas that he was um, having difficulty in. And there was a lot of concern with. So he did uh, move from his classroom a larger classroom into a smaller classroom. So even as a mom, I know, you know, I had my concerns with that. Of course, any parent is concerned about their child moving from, you know, one extreme change while we're already in a pandemic to another change. I had concerns about there was already inconsistencies with him being in the building and him having difficulty being pulled out so many times and him having difficulty with then being able to Um, follow a schedule and conform to a schedule and adjust so often um, because of the spike in COVID cases and being put on uh, remote. However, we do know that the best thing for students and data has shown early intervention is key. If he can receive more individualized support now, that is just going to further help him in building his skill set later on in his education and and his educational programming. So the decision was made to put him in a smaller classroom. So I'm gonna stop there. And then we're gonna talk about several points that's gonna help with um, understanding that process and that reevaluation process and what's helpful to have and to be aware of when you're in the meetings for um, reevaluation. And the first thing is Knowing if a student, if your child is going to be evaluated, knowing the process and asking those questions prior to even getting evaluated, what has been done in the classroom, okay? What strategies have been tried um, that were successful, that weren't successful? What interventions were put in place? What were the results of those interventions? What is the data that proves those interventions were either successful or not successful, You should also, once you have uh, the proposal to start an evaluation, you should be given safeguards. You should be given special ed safeguards. You need to know your parent rights. Um, This is a a pamphlet of information according to your state that parents have rights to. So I highly encourage you to thoroughly read it. Um, It's a lot of reading. Um, It can be a little complex, so I I would advise you to go through that with an experienced professional who can break down each area of that documentation. The second point is knowing the roles, knowing the case manager, teachers, who's the director. There is a person that's in charge of your child's IEP, should they have one. There is going to be a person that's going to be in charge of the evaluation process. There is a point person, so you should know who that person is. If you have any questions during that process, you should be able to be able to seek someone. You should be able to be in touch with someone right away to um, answer any questions or any concerns that you might have. So just knowing who those team members are. Evaluations are comprised of a multidisciplinary team of professionals Um, that can be anywhere from uh, just a speech pathologist to um, a full team of occupational therapists, um, physical therapists, psychologists, social workers, speech pathologists. It could be a lot of behavioral uh, specialists. It could be a lot of different people that are part of that um, that team. Also. Parents, you are a part of the team. I know you may look at those clinicians as they're over there and I'm over here. It is a team. When I, when I talk about a team, I'm including parents. You're included in that team of individuals. So knowing the roles how to prepare for that eligibility meeting once you're going through the process and you're asking those questions, you're knowing about the time frame that everything should be done, um, legally how long the evalu- pro- evaluation process should take. You should know all that information. At the meeting where the team comes together and they discuss the results of the evaluation, they discuss the findings of the data and what that data says, what that data finds, um, then you should know exactly how to prepare for that meeting. Bring in your questions. Um, bring in someone that can help uh, you um, ask the questions that you may not have thought of, right? It could be, you know, your mom or your, your husband or your wife or Um, someone who uh, is in education, it could just be, you know, a friend, just another um, person that can listen to all the data, that can listen to all the information, and that can help you remember some things that you may forget (laughs) later on. Or you can um, make sure that these certain questions are asked, you know, during that conversation. And making sure that you have notes Um, you should be provided with the um, written documentation of uh, any reports. Um, If there's a draft IEP, you should be um, provided that. Uh, By law, I know each state is different. In Illinois, um, it's required to have drafts uh, sent to the guardians three days prior to any meeting, so by law, you should have rights to the draft. And what that draft does is it just allows you to read through all that information, any questions that you may have, you can be ready to ask those. So the team is not then going through each and every single thing. They're really um, going through what's important um, and what's highlighted that's going to be important with that that pertains directly to that student's programming and how that data will help change or modify that programming should need it. And then know when starting um, and meet the teacher. If there's going to be any change in programming, knowing when you need to um, meet that teacher um, before there's any change in your students programming, such as a classroom um, or maybe an entire building. Maybe a student is going to another building. You don't know. Um, You should request to meet the teacher and tour the classroom, um, see what that program looks like uh, before you make any decisions. You uh, have the right to not make those decisions that um, meeting. You can, in Illinois, you have 10 days to think about whether or not you want to consent to change the placement. Um, The parent has the right to consent and give approval for any changes that are made um, with the child's placement and placement again I mean if there's any change in the programming um, such as the services that are provided or if there is a change in uh, teachers and uh, the entire program that can include the classroom that can include services that that can include minutes um, in addition to services a decrease in services Um, so that those things you should be able to um, uh, see, have a draft of what it looks like, and consent on. So, with that, we know that early intervention um, outcomes is uh, changes that child's trajectory and results of later success in life. So that's it for me. Uh, that's all I have for this episode. Should you have any questions, please feel free to email me at onecandidkiss at gmail.com. That's the number one, C-A-N-D-I-D-K-I-S at gmail.com for any questions. Or if you have any topics that you want me to discuss, um, just leave those in the email. So until next time, love more and complain less.